Welcome to Advent Sermons and Conversations. There's actually no conversation this week. We're taking the week off. But here is this Sunday's sermon uh, from October 7th, 2018 by Pastor Danielle Miller. You can find the readings for this week in the podcast description. So our, uh, our Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast recently interviewed myself and Pastor Gary about being a pastor and life and all of that fun kind of stuff. But during the interview process, one of the questions that they asked me was, what scriptures do you not like to preach on? And my answer is this one. This one right here. And in fact, I found out this morning, they asked the same question to Pastor Gary. And his response was, this one, this one today that we hear, this one we read today when Jesus talks about divorce and adultery and refers to Genesis 2. And why? Because this text has been used as a weapon for so many centuries to keep people in abusive relationships, to shame divorcees, and to bludgeon the LGBTQ community. This is not the intention of this text. This is not the intention of Jesus. But intentions are difficult. Even when we have the best of them, once we choose to act, they slip through our fingers and we lose control over their trajectory. People decide what they want to hear, how they want to respond, and the words and actions take on a life of their own. We've all lived through those moments when our best intentions are co-opted or misunderstood. I have to say, I'm primed right now to hear the gospel story outside of its intention, with all the misinterpretation and baggage that it's picked up over all these years. For me, the last two weeks have been full of emotion and prayers, nationally, professionally, and personally. But the backdrop of the national stage has offered particular challenge. And in light of the testimonies that captivated the nation, this gospel story, at least on the surface, feels too raw. I don't know what it's been like for you to tune into the unfolding drama. A soap opera, a rallying cry, an exercise in democracy. For me, it's been trauma. Every single time I read the news. And if it has been the same for you, know that you have been in my prayers. So I read this scripture and I hear another group of men talking about what women can and cannot do. And I really just want to talk about something else. But then I remind myself about intention. Intentions that far surpass the manipulations of the text that have so prepared me and perhaps you to hear these words as harsh and dangerous and oppressive. When Jesus talks about divorce and adultery here, when we read in Genesis about two becoming one, it's not about sex, it's not about piety, it's not about gender. In fact, in the creation of Adam from Adama, Adam from the earth, the first human, humanity, there was no gender. We've translated these Hebrew words to mean man, but rather this original creature held within itself all the singularity and plurality of creation. 
And when its partner was formed, not from a rib, but from the side, that plurality was split. Or Ishash split from Ish. And only then is gender created. When Jesus references this Genesis passage, it is about so much more than the binary existence we have narrowed it down to be. He references the plurality of creation and his interpretation of the law expressed in Deuteronomy 24 is not about legalities or doubling down. It's about something deeper, something that affects people married, single, widowed, gay, straight, bi, divorced, separated, male, female, non-binary, agender, other. It's about the bonds that tie us together and how they are stronger when rooted in God's dream for us, for all of us. All the time folks are trying to use scripture and legalities to pin down marriage and relationship. And in doing so, missing the point. If we are truly turning to the pages of scripture for guidance on marriage, well then we need to shift through a whole lot of stuff that shows up in the lives of our faithful ancestors like polygamy, sacrificing virgin daughters for hospitality's sake, trading wives, concubines, harems, divorcing wives over burnt toast. Now, mind you, I'm not saying that God doesn't have a lot to say about our marriages, our relationships, our singlehood, but it's not all tied up in easy answers, simple definitions. Because no matter our romantic relationship status, God created us to be in community. That is when we are most whole and able to live as God intended us to live. And community, relationships, togetherness, much like intentions, are complicated. It's in the complications that we redirect Jesus' intentions so that we can impose our views on others, so that we can make sure things are simplifiable and controllable, using what is meant to liberate instead as a weapon. And because we have so willfully misunderstood what Jesus is getting at here, we often throw out the whole thing because it doesn't fit within our view. But the intimacy that God desires for us. The community to which we are called cannot be ignored because it is in our DNA written into the dirt from which we are crafted, the sides from which we are called forth. When Jesus is talking about divorce and adultery, it's a bigger conversation with a holy intention that goes beyond control and beyond piety. Because when relationships, when community is fractured and fragmented, it is not in God's intended order of things. And today, Jesus leaves no doubt about that. You see, God's intention in marriage is to establish a solid base for life in community. And divorce is a violation of God's intent and of our promises to God. God's plan for God's people is for us to be together, not apart. And when marriages fail, something amiss is happening. Now please hear this and hear it clearly. It is not the kind of breaking that assigns blame, but the kind of breaking that is other than what we want. Even when divorce is the healthiest choice and 
it often is, it still wounds deeply. And God weeps with every slash to our hearts and our lives, not because some legal standard has been broken, but because of the damage done to God's beloved children. As we follow Jesus' response through this conversation, we see even he recognizes that sometimes divorce is the only choice. What God has put together, let no one separate, but what people have mistakenly put together can be downright dangerous. Now, in Jewish culture, there were two schools of thought about divorce. Both believed a man had a right to divorce his wife. One school of thought was pretty strict. A man could only divorce his wife if she were unfaithful. However, another more lenient school, which happened to be the more popular school of thought, going all the way back to Moses, said that if your wife displeases you, in any number of ways, including, according to one source, burning her husband's toast, you may give her a certificate of divorce or dismissal. You know, if she does something so atrocious as speak up or get older or not put things away where you think they should be, the possibilities really are endless. Marriage at that time had little to do with love. It was contractual, all about status and property. And there was no safety net for women who were put aside and little honor. They were without home, without recourse, without hope, unless their families could or would scrape together another dowry. And the woman couldn't divorce her husband on any grounds, including abuse, infidelity, neglect, with one exception, it had to do with his occupation. If he were a copper melter, a tanner, or a dung collector, even if she knew before the marriage what his trade was, she could divorce him on the grounds that she couldn't have known how awful the smell would be. So thoughtful. But abuse? Jesus' assertion that divorce should not be is located in a larger conversation that we've heard play out over the last couple weeks that he and his disciples have been having about greatness and service and vulnerability. And his use of the law here protects the most vulnerable and gives greater respect and dignity to the party who is considered lesser. You know, in the ancient world, if a man was unfaithful to his wife, he was considered to have committed adultery not against her, but against her father and her family, the ones who entrusted her to him. Women mattered so little that such unfaithfulness could not even count as a sin against them. But Jesus says it is a sin and violation against her. Jesus sees her humanity. Jesus sees creation in her eyes and divine dignity in her soul. Jesus gives women the authority and possibility to find freedom from bonds that enslave and harm. And in this act... Jesus convicts us, all of us, shining a light on the intention for the law to above and beyond all things protect the vulnerable among us. 
And every time we take that law and we twist it for our own purposes, for our own self-promotion, for the shoring up of our status quo or pride, we are wresting away God's intentions and violating something that is meant to be sacred. The gift of community and care for the hurting and the vulnerable. A point Jesus drives home next as he once again welcomes the little child. The only member of society worth less in the eyes of that same society than women. This is the kingdom of God. Right here. That we acknowledge the presence and dignity of the divine in each and every person fashioned by God out of the same dirt. The same earth. Beloved, blessed, deserving. And we don't always like to hear that. We don't always want to get dirty. We deserve more or better, certainly. The truth is we we only deserve that which God is willing to give us. How amazing is it that God is willing to give us measurable love and respect and dignity and care. May we give that to each other. That is the gospel. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. And join us for worship every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.